Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. When I think about what's really helped to create the success of audiology, it's really our people. We've got incredible people working at audiology, and it's all about our customers, too. And listening to what our customers' needs are and understanding what the problems are that they're trying to solve. I always joke about how I'd like to say I was smart enough to come up with all the new innovations that have come out of audiology over the years. But the truth is, it's it's really come from listening to clients and helping our clients solve their problems. That was Chris Luttrell, CEO of Ideology, and she is our special guest on this episode, episode 139 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. Hey, before we get started, I wanted to remind you that March is Diversity and Inclusion Month, so please reach out to me at greg at leadersinpayments.com if you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor. Now, on to the show. Have you ever wondered what the journey may look like from a small town farm to big time fintech? Well, I have the answer in this week's podcast. For starters, when Chris isn't spending time overseeing one of the most credible fraud prevention solutions in the industry, she's raising livestock and food on her small farm in northwest Georgia, not far from where she grew up. Ideology is a well-established identity verification provider and they offer a robust solution for both identity verification and fraud prevention, which allows customers to meet KYC compliance while mitigating fraud and risk simultaneously. According to Chris, it's been a fun roller coaster ride, and she looks forward to ensuring the success of our industry in the future with solutions that help prevent some of the more popular types of fraud that have come out of this digital age including mobile fraud, synthetic verification fraud, and more. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Chris. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Yeah, so I probably will be a bit different from most of your podcast guests. I grew up in a small town here in northwest Georgia, which is actually just across town from where I live today. I live in a little town called Rockmart, Georgia, and here I have a, a small farm where I raise livestock and food as another job in addition to my <laughs> role as CEO at Ideology. So it keeps me quite busy, but I love it. I love being out in the rural area and just enjoy where I'm at right now. I had a bit of a different past also than most as it relates to school. I wasn't really afforded the opportunity to go to school right outside of high school. I also didn't really understand the financial aid that was available to me. So when I graduated, I just went straight to work and started working on a career. And during that time, I gained a lot of knowledge by just working and being mentored by really great people in my life who saw potential in me. And I had a boss say, you need to go get your college degree. You've got to go get a degree, right? A few years later, I went on to school. I went at night while raising my children and went on to a marketing degree at a local college here in my area. And one of my bucket list items has always been, because I love to learn, I'm a continuous learner, one of my bucket list items has always been to get a degree in business administration. So actually two years ago, 
I enrolled in Shorter University here in Rome, Georgia, and I'm excited to say I'm going to be graduating this semester with a bachelor's in business administration. I didn't quite take the same route that a lot of folks take that you might talk to or interview, but I'm really proud of this achievement because I didn't necessarily need this thing to get where I am today, but it's something that I wanted to do because I wanted to set a really good example for my children but also for others who may think that, you know, they're too old or maybe their time has passed to learn something new. Learning should never stop and just always be a continuous learner and go for your dreams. When I say it's been a little bit of a different than many others in this space and and technology and things like that and cybersecurity, it truly has been. Yeah, well, congratulations on graduating this semester. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And if you don't mind, talk about a little bit of your professional journey. So maybe the roles you've had before going to ideology. And I know you've been there for, I think it's around 13 years or so. And Mm -hmm. maybe talk about how you got there. And then as you moved up through the ranks of the company and and now having become the CEO, I think about a couple of years ago, maybe just talk about that journey if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. So prior to joining Ideology, I actually worked for a company at the time was called Choice Point. It was acquired by LexisNexis, so it's now known as part of being LexisNexis. But I spent nearly 10 years at Choice Point working on data, building products out of data, working in marketing, and then moving into a product management role. So I got this great opportunity to move to Ideology. It was 14 years ago. And I was afforded the opportunity to come on as the sole product manager for the company. It was a very small company. I think there were 10 people working at Ideology when I joined. I think I was employee number 10. And I love data. I think data can tell a very interesting story when you have access to very rich, deep data on consumers and on transactions. There's a lot that you can tell and a very rich story that you can tell using that information. And so I came into Ideology 14 years ago as the product manager and began to build the product out from where it was, offering new analytics, new ways of verifying consumers, looking at, you know, forward thinking, the future, what that was going to look like from an identity verification perspective, what were the problems that we were trying to solve. And so I had this really awesome role as product manager, but When you do really good in one job, you tend to pick up responsibilities in other areas. And so over time, I just began picking up additional responsibilities at Ideology. And over the years, I've run product. I've built out the client success team. I'm really proud of the work that happened with our fraud team, building out a fraud team and seeing that grow into what it is today. I had responsibility over marketing, over security, and over technology. And so I stayed as the chief operating officer for a couple of years at Ideology, and then I moved into the CEO role in October of 2020 once my predecessor exited. So it has been a roller coaster of a ride, but I've learned so, so much. That's, you know, when I talked about learning, just be a sponge and learn as much as you possibly can. And For me, I always did the jobs that really nobody else wanted to do because I felt like I could learn more by taking on more. And I call it the roller coaster of a ride since October of 2020. I had a colleague ask me if I was out of my mind for taking the role (laughs) because we were in the middle of a global pandemic. Everyone was trying to learn how to work remote and taking on this new role. We had some really big product pushes that we were doing around the same time. But honestly, we have the most amazing group of people here at Ideology that support me They encourage me. They're all doing really great things. And we're all just on a great mission to make sure we're 
producing high quality product and services. So I say a roller coaster, but it's been a fun roller coaster. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've good. definitely learned a lot along the way. When I think about what's really helped to create the success of ideology, it's really our people. We've got incredible people working at ideology and it's all about our customers too. And listening to what our customers' needs are and understanding what the problems are that they're trying to solve. I always joke about how I'd like to say I was smart enough to come up with all the new innovations that have come out of ideology over the years. But the truth is, it's, it's really come from listening to clients and helping our clients solve their problems. Sure. So let's dive deeper into the company. So what exactly are the solutions and the services that ideology provides? Of course. So we offer a really robust solution for identity verification and fraud prevention that allows customers in the payment industry to meet KYC compliance, that's pretty basic now, but when you layer in fraud and risk on top of that, we're helping our clients to meet KYC, but also mitigate that fraud risk as well. And our solution, which is called Expect ID, Expect ID is a best of breed industry leading solution that provides a very quick and accurate result to make sure that our clients are onboarding legitimate customers without any type of friction. Because at the end of the day, what's really, really important is that we enable our customers to onboard good customers for themselves that in turn helps them drive revenue for their companies without having to worry about, does this meet compliance? Is this a legitimate identity? And we're helping them with all of that. Identity verification in most cases should be invisible to the consumer. They really should never feel the burden of the process of identity verification unless there's a specific reason or need to escalate that consumer for further verification. So for us, it's about offering our solutions, our products to the industry to be able to onboard more consumers within a timely manner without any type of friction and really building that consumer trust as well. Okay. And are your end customers, are they the ISOs and the acquirers and the payfacts of the industry? They are, yeah. And we're working with a broad group of different types of customers across multiple industries. But in this industry specific, it's issuers, it's program managers, it's wallets. It just runs the gamut of all the types of companies that we're working with. Yeah. So next question, what is the business model? Do you do like a per transaction kind of fee? Is it more of a a SaaS model? What's the business model? It is a per transaction. So we like to earn our business one transaction at a time. So it's a pay per transaction. So it's just pay for what you use. And we want to make it really simple. We want to be easy to do business with. So We don't go crazy with lots of hidden fees or anything like that. We want to make sure you know exactly what you're paying for and what you're getting. So again, one of our tenants is we want to be easy to do business with. Okay. And then do you sell through partners or do you have direct sales force or do you do both? We actually do both. And we're integrated into some really large partners in the industry and have an incredible direct sales force that's working with clients directly as well. So it's actually pretty fun to work with both types. Okay. And what would you say, I mean, obviously you have competitors in the marketplace, everyone does, but what would you say your key differentiators are for ideology? I think overall, the product that we have is rock solid. We've had a lot of years to perfect it. We've got subject matter experts making sure we're doing all the right things for each industry that we work with, particularly here we're talking about payments, we've got subject matter experts that are making sure we're making all the right tools and features and functionality available. So I would say first and foremost, it's our product. Second, 
I would say that it's how we take care of customers. I mentioned before, they really matter to us and customers are going to expect more from their identity verification providers. There are companies out there today that are promising to onboard with zero fraud or 100% approval rates. And those things just aren't reasonable to promise, nor is it truthful. And one thing that you'll learn about ideology is that we are always honest in our dealings with customers. We want to be easy to do business with, but we're always going to be honest with our clients as well. Companies in the space, they should expect more. They should expect more accurate results and they should expect more transparency in how those results are derived. The results should be explainable. So for us, the key differentiator, it's offering a solid product that really helps those in the payment industry meet compliance and stop fraud, but also understand how those things occurred so that it can be explained if they're perhaps getting audited or being questioned by a regulator. The last thing you want to have is to be sitting in front of a regulator and not be able to explain why you onboarded someone or why you declined someone through your process. Right. Makes total sense. So just back about the company a little bit, I just want to to clarify, so do you sell globally or is it mainly U.S.? What's the geography? Oh, it's a great question. So Ideology is part of a larger organization known as GBG. And GBG is a global organization and they have products that serve the global market. When we were acquired by GBG in 2019, we actually integrated several of their data sets into our product for other countries such as Canada, France, UK, Brazil, Mexico, and having access to many other countries that we've pulled into our platform that, or that we're planning to pull into our platform. And so we mainly focus on transactions that are occurring within the U.S., but we do now have the capability to verify consumers outside of the U.S., and that is simply because of the great support and the data that we have available through our parent company, GBG. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about the future and maybe some of the expectations of what's going to happen in the next couple of years. I mean, obviously, you actually mentioned this balancing fraud detection or deterrence with customer friction. So during that identification process, how do you make sure all that is going smoothly? So what are the challenges that the payment leaders are facing today? There was actually a McKinsey report that talked about 50% of Americans who have heard of contactless payments or digital payments. They've heard of them, but they're not quite ready to use them because they say that security is a concern to them. And that's basically why they're not interested in adopting them. And we'll dive into, you know, what does that mean security, right? So there's this negative perception of security for digital payments, and that's hindering the further adoption by consumers. Every year we put out a digital consumer data study and it's just a really nice research report where we survey thousands of consumers and ask them questions that really kind of reveal the sentiment of payments, trust and security. And two thirds of the consumers that we surveyed as part of the digital study are very or extremely concerned about cybersecurity and they really don't feel companies are doing enough to safeguard their information. When we look at things that folks are concerned about, there's been a big surge in mobile-based fraud with very little sign of slowing down with things like account takeover and data leakages or all-out data breaches. We had so many new consumers have to go digital because of the pandemic. And so that was just a buffet for fraudsters to be able to come in and start to attack new people that typically would not be 
in the digital environment. We also know that synthetic identity fraud, that's not slowing down either. And so we're continuing to see that happen on a daily basis. And those are things that the payments industry should be concerned about. We could certainly go into what is a synthetic identity and how are they created. And we've got some further research on that that we could also provide. But you know, synthetic identity, when the people that really suffer from that are young individuals, young people, because a large percentage of the time, the social security numbers that are used to build these synthetic identities are for people who are under the age of 18 because they haven't begun transacting yet. And so there's stories upon stories of young people who go to apply for financial aid for college and they can't get it because someone else has been using their social for five or six years uh, because they've created a synthetic identity. So there's things like that that we really have to watch out for and the industry really has to watch out for. And so when you're onboarding new consumers, security is really paramount to those consumers. They want to know that you are protecting their data and they want to know how you're doing that. How are you safeguarding it? And they also want to know, how is their data going to be used? And this trust is really earned through transparency with the consumer. Now, at the same time, we talk about this balancing act. Consumers also want a frictionless onboarding experience. So it's a bit of, a, of that dichotomy of, you know, I want you to protect my data and I want you to tell me how you're using my data, but I don't want to jump through a lot of hoops to open up an account. So you really have to weigh the right amount of friction when it's needed to onboard those consumers. So looking ahead, I think really understanding what type of fraud you're seeing and then learning ways to prevent that type of fraud, I think is going to be really, really important for the future of this industry. What are the future threats and opportunities that you see? I mean, you've mentioned some that are today. Are there, are there some out there that we don't know a whole lot about yet that are coming? Or, or what can you talk about as far as future threats and opportunities? I get asked this question a fair amount, and we completely expected to see new things over the past couple of years. And what are the new fraud vectors that are coming out? Honestly, there's really, it hasn't been a lot of things that are new under the sun. We've had, I think what surprised us or took us by surprise the most was just the sheer volume in which the fraud attacks were happening. And again, that was just moving people to digital who weren't used to being digital. So in terms of new things, I think Synthetic is not new, but it's going to continue to be an issue. And I think we really have to watch what's happening on the mobile devices and how those are being taken over, how those fraud attacks are occurring and the ways that they're occurring. And I tell the fraud team here at Ideology all the time, they know this and we say this to others is that if you want to understand how a fraudster is committing fraud, you have to think like a fraudster, right? And so you have to really get into the the marketplaces, the message boards. And our fraud team does that. We even have some fraud members that have interacted with fraudsters to kind of undercover to ask, how are you doing this? Can you tell me how this is happening? And the one thing that I will say about fraudsters is they're so willing to help one another and to collaborate with one another. And so if you go in as sort of like, oh my goodness, I'm new at this. Can you tell me how you're perpetrating this fraud? It's amazing the amount of help that you will receive. So there's a lot of collaboration amongst the fraudsters within these certain networks. So I would say that future is mobile. I think that we are also seeing the fraud attacks that we're seeing is through new usage of AI And through machine learning, they're (laughs) making things go a lot faster. So I think we have to be careful there. And the one thing that I always say, I've mentioned collaboration, and I'm going to mention it again, is as an industry, we need to be collaborating. Certainly compete with one another when you're wanting to onboard new customers. But from a fraud perspective, 
there's so much to be gained by collaborating with your peers in the industry so that you can see what other companies are seeing. And if you're being attacked by the same vector that another company in the space is doing, and we can actually see that in our fraud network, our velocity network that we have, we can actually see where one company in the payments industry who's a customer of ideology and another who's a customer of ideology, but they're competitors we can see that they're both getting hit by the same fraudster. And so we reach out to them to say, hey, you're getting hit by this. And we reach out to the other and say, you're getting hit by this. And so we have this great tool that we can do that with. But on a regular basis, I think it's really good for the fraud teams in the payment space to be talking to one another across the walls so that they can collaborate because the fraudsters are collaborating. They collaborate so much better than us. And there are no rules for them. They don't have rules. They don't have to follow regulations. It doesn't matter to them. They just want to make money, right? So we need to collaborate better than they collaborate. That's interesting. I've never really thought about it that way, but that absolutely makes sense. Any thoughts on cryptocurrencies and blockchain and things like that? Any thoughts on how that may affect fraud in the future? Our innovation team is actually doing some work right now in blockchain and how identity plays into blockchain. And I think that is honestly where the future of identity is going to be headed, is being able to validate on the blockchain and make sure that it is the right person. I think a lot of people are are trying to do some interesting things with digital identities. And those are things that we're a part of or that we're going to be a part of in the future. Crypto is not going away I'm a huge fan of cryptocurrency and I have been for many years and learning about the blockchain and understanding how things get entered into the ledger, how things get revoked from the ledger. And the thought process that I have on that is always around the identity, right? So what if someone gets into the ledger that is bad, then what happens, right? How does their identity get revoked and what does that do to the new person within the ledger or the legitimate person, excuse me, the legitimate person within the ledger? So Those are all things that I kind of bounce around in my brain on a daily basis, but our our product and innovation team there, they're currently in the process of working on some things there. It's a fascinating space and and rarely does one of my podcasts go by without touching on that topic in some way, shape or form, because I think regardless if you look at it as purely an asset class or as as I think it's going to be in the future, a way people actually transact, that there's got to be all these tools that are used today, like yours and other types of tools that are used in our industry that have to be looking at that. So I always like to ask the leaders in this industry their thoughts on it. So I I appreciate you sharing that. One more question. So what advice would you give to people who maybe are just starting out in this industry? Payments, fintech, and all of the supporting companies and industries around it is growing. It's becoming a great place to work. It's becoming an industry that has had so much investment over the last couple of years. I mean, the word fintech and all that that means these days. So what advice would you give someone sort of just starting out their careers? What would you tell them they should do to be successful? Yeah, so I think that anyone who is wanting to get into this space, definitely immerse yourself into all of the terminology, learning as much as you possibly can about how the payments ecosystem works. And from a company perspective, I would say that it's really important that if you're trying to start up a new product within this industry, 
making sure that you are going back to that onboarding experience, making sure that you are giving a really great user experience to your customers that you're trying to onboard because you really only get one shot, right? To have customers come in and if if they don't have a good experience, they're just going to go away and go to your competitor. So having a really good experience, I think is important for new companies coming in and for new people coming in, maybe starting their career. Again, just learning as much as you possibly can. One of the things that I do, Greg, that everyone kind of laughs at me about, but (laughs) anytime we onboard a new client, no matter what industry they are in, but let's just take payments, you know, for example, when we onboard a new client, I go sign up for their service. If I don't already have their service, I go sign up for it because I want to see what's the onboarding experience. How is ideology integrated? And then what happens with my data and the flow of information once I do get onboarded? So I would say that if you're thinking about getting in this space or already in the space and just wondering what others in the industry are doing, go sign up for their services. It's easy to do, right? And it gives you a really good perspective of what consumers go through when they're trying to sign up for these solutions. Yeah, I think that's that's some great advice. I love the kind of theme throughout that you've talked about is really keeping and putting that customer first and walking in their shoes. I think that's great advice. Well, Chris, we've covered a lot of ground already on the company, your background, sort of the future of, of where things are heading. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Just want to mention that we'd love to provide a copy of our consumer data study to all your listeners. We also have a really good fraud research report that we put out each year, which is a survey of business and also has some really great, we've got some carve outs that we can provide specifically for the payments industry. So anyone who's interested can download both of those reports from our website at ideology.com and we'd love for you to read it. And I'm always open to feedback. I love the critical feedback and any kind of feedback that you want to provide, I'd love to hear it. So just want to encourage everyone to go download those reports and give them a good read. Okay. Yeah. And we'll add those links to our show notes so that people can easily get to it from our site as well. Are there any other ways that people can get in touch with you? Obviously, the website is natural, but are there other ways that people could get in touch? Yeah. Like you mentioned, the website, I'm also on LinkedIn. So folks can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. And then I'm pretty easy to contact at Ideology. It's uh, clatrell at ideology.com. So you can reach out to me directly. I love talking to folks. So just reach out anytime. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 